0: All right, is it you're trying to say it? I seem to remember you ripping me for saying it last time.
1: I've got no idea. I'll say it. on. Welcome to mental health in movies. enough
0: for you. It's almost too enthusiastic. <laughs> like it's, it's almost like you're not taking it seriously. I
1: try <laughs> fucking build my own energy for it. <laughs> Sitting here in a cozy room, I feel like I could I could fall asleep. and energize myself. I, I want that. like
0: well, I want to see you you working up to it like with a some kind of rocky montage, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> like literally, you know what I mean like a <laughs> in a kind of big freezer with loads of meat hanging about and just punching it and stuff, running through the snow, you know what I mean? Do, running up steps, doing push ups at the top and stuff like that.
1: You have loads of like DVDs hanging with like icicles hanging off them. I could be punching them.
0: Could do that like a, um, like a Monty Python type thing. Remember the, the start of Monty Python's Flying Circus was always a boy in some mad adventure and then he just gets to the front of the screen and says, It's a <laughs> fucking genius. We start doing that with a Welcome to mental health in movies. You know what I mean. You could do this like big Rocky montage and stuff, and then just squeeze it out at the end. Like,
1: oh god, God." maybe a bit more difficult to do it in audio only format. (laughs)
0: Like, how would you audio describe? I mean, Scott is currently running up the steps um, of um, maybe the green in Aberdeen. Those, those are some badass steps.
1: Like, they're they're tough steps. Also, the ones that go from. the bottom of uh, what's the bridge street up to like Crown Street? Those are crazy steps.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah, okay. I know, I absolutely
1: that's really difficult for me because that part of my brain doesn't really work very well, like mapping out streets and stuff. So.
0: <laughs> you know, the stairs, the stairs <clears> next <throat> yeah. to the street, next to the
1: pavement just beside the road. You know, that one. For um, anyone who knows, knows Aberdeen, I am um, it, it was guaranteed like at, at least once a month. We would be out me and my friends when we were about eighteen out in the town and then I would be convinced that when we we're on kind of Huntley Street or um Rose Street or, you know, round about that sort of area, I was convinced that there was a set of steps that that led from there down to Morrison's or Safeway on King Street mm-hmm. at the time. And my friends were always like, Scott, those steps are not here. Like, <laughs> you're thinking of the like steps like in um I I don't know I don't even know what that street's called, but the one um the street that has like the original brew dog on it and leads down to like the blue lamp and ah, yeah and stuff. Yeah. I-, I was thinking about kind of the steps there um that lead down to Safeway, like through the back of the car park, the Gallagher car park. That's in the name the street, is it, Gallagher?
0: It's weird how your memories kind of lead together. And um, I need to apologize to any listeners saying that like we will start talking about a film in a minute, but <laughs> um, i I'm, I'm just thinking about how your, your mind kind of pieces together bits of memories and stuff like that. I've done loads of hill walking in the past and like started taking um, the kids up a, a few uh, over the last wee while and I get to one and I'm like no no this is not like you know what I mean I'm always kind of I do have a, an accurate memory of places but I just can't match the names and stuff like that you know what I mean I've got bits of things clumped together Um it just makes you wonder about the nature of reality and how fallible we are as human beings. Anyway right there's bombshell, free banter you know there's some like stuff you can never unhear your life has been enhanced by hearing this um level up (laughs) right so today we are talking about tokyo godfathers uh, a film from 2003 and a kind of classic anime film for 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 my money um I watched that again last night, and you watched it a couple of days ago as well. Is that right, Scott?
1: Yeah, that that was the first time I'd ever seen it. Yeah, I I had no idea, no expectations about it. I think, but um, yeah, just from the name of it, I thought it was maybe about gangsters or something. I was completely wrong. Uh,
0: it's interesting how the the Godfather uh, films with uh, Al Pacino uh, and De Niro and stuff have kind of, I guess, monopolized that that term. Godfather has has become that. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I kind of Godfathers, Godmothers in my family, and they're all rather benign creatures. You know what I mean, rather than than uh, than gangsters. Um, I guess a brief synopsis of this film is about um, three homeless people who find uh, a baby uh, just kind of on the on a back street on uh, Christmas Eve, and then uh, it becomes a kind of sort of a bit of a bizarre adventure, I think, at, at times, um, in terms of them trying to uh, get the baby back to back to its parents. Um, but I think that there's definitely a lot, a lot in there. I mean, I, I've got, I've got my notebook again, Scott. You know what I mean? So I've notebook. got like loads of stuff that we can we can talk about. But I guess I'm curious because I could pick any of these and, and yap about it. But I'm wondering what's on your mind in terms of what do you think when you saw it.
1: Yeah, I guess like the first thing that kind of I was, I oh yeah, I was just kind of soaking the the film in for for a little bit, and then the first thing, first kind of thought that popped into my head about the film and and about how about what, what was going on or you know what what was a theme what, was that they they were quite they seemed quite disparate character like you know in terms of their their what we knew about them mm-hmm. um, kind of early in the film certainly seemed quite different i kind of wondered what had brought them together and maybe it was just the shared experience of kind of being homeless because <clears throat> you've got the jin who who has a uh, who's dependent on on alcohol kind of mm-hmm. um, i don't know like middle-aged sort of guy and then you've got hannah who is um, trans uh, i think um, and yeah. um, she so uh, hannah identifies a, as a woman but um but a male, I guess, assigned male gender at birth. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then you've got Miyuki, I think is the the name of the Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Song, right? She's, she's like a young teenage girl who we find out has kind of run away from home fairly yeah. early. And, it, and there's a lot of kind of um, discord between the three of them to start with. You know, like you've got Jin is like being really... Disparaging about Hannah um, and like calling Hannah some names that that are kind of well it, like real slurs, uh, you know, yeah. kind of being homosexual and stuff. <clears throat> and um and then you've got Miyuki and and Jin who, who clash and actually have physical fights, a, you know, a few times early in the film. And Like, what? Why are these three kind of staying together? Why? You know, they just seem to annoy each other all the time, but. But they've got something some sort of bond that's bringing them together so I guess that that was probably the first thing that was that was going through my head and then like as the film developed then <clears throat> I guess that like family was like a massive theme like a kind of yeah uber theme or something so when you see that they've they've formed their own kind of pseudo family I guess like they and it, it is dysfunctional there's no no getting away from that but mm-hmm. but maybe it's necessary for them to like to survive like because they they kind of help each other through they, they stumble through life but they're they're kind of helping each other make decisions and um uh, well actually like physically helping each other like Jin has some money saved up and but then he ends up using it to to pay for Hannah's medical care because she um, mm-hmm. she becomes unwell at one point <clears throat> but um and then you see all these other families and all these other families are really messed up and um mm-hmm. I guess don't know like it's like the these guys kind of have a I don't know if it's a happy ending. It's I don't it's not even an ending, but it, where, where the film ends is, you know, so there there's some um idea that there might be kinda of happier times ahead for them, but um but a lot of these other families have had pretty pretty terrible times. Although there is also the kind of ha- potential happy ending between the
0: mm-hmm.
1: the Satchko uh, and her husband. Um but that that's something I, I'm I'm giving away loads here, but
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, mean, I, I guess that takes me to the other bit that, like, there's quite a lot of kind of happy ending bits or potential happy or tying up of ends. And usually I get, usually I'm right. not a fan of like bits being tied up. I prefer loose ends in my films. Ah,
0: you're going to stop talking now and let me say something as well. <laughs> it was just fucking rebrand as like the the Scott McPherson monologue.
1: Hi, oh, Scott. Scott, really, I'm really interested in hearing what you want to say. Oh, Scott, <laughs> like, I've heard you talk for about a minute and a half. I'm really bored of that now. I want to hear my
0: own voice. <laughs> it's just because, like, you didn't you didn't say the things that, like, I, I was wanting to be said. You know what I, I mean? So, like, I didn't you say were, the
1: right things. that's what, <laughs> yeah, if, that's like, what
0: you want that's, to say. That's, that, that's not right. what I, That's not what you were going to say in my head. You know what I mean? You were going to say like <laughs> totally different things, much more interesting, much more dramatic.
1: <laughs> just like oh, I, I, I thought the film was good. <laughs>
0: that's that's about your level. I, <laughs> thanks for that, Scott. Now, um, I I actually took some detailed notes about the film and I I want want to share some of those with you. I'm sure you do. I mean, when you talk about the, there's definitely something about that sense of connection. I mean, like I get a sense we're we're going to be kind of broken records at some point because human connection, you know what I mean, is is so important for our mental health. So I can't imagine, to be honest, that we're ever going to sort of watch any film where that's not going to feature in some kind of way um but like the the film and and this is why you should take notes scott because the the first thing that that i noticed was like the, the very first shot of the film is they're they're in church and actually the 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 sermon that's being delivered um is talking about essentially what it feels like to have no place um and like just to be longing for someone to say that, like, I actually want you to be here. And you see um, certainly Jin um, and Hannah. And I can't remember if Miyuki's actually there in church with them or oh, they meet her after. But, her
1: there. I but, didn't know if it was a church, because it was a kid's nativity that were, they were watching, wasn't it?
0: Uh, maybe, aye, maybe it was actually. Aye, it was definitely some kind of religious sermon or something anyway, but um, yeah, I, you see them strongly can I identify with that and I was wondering if sometimes filmmakers maybe can I give you that little nugget you know what I mean right like, this is what the film's about and then let's get on with it
1: but I, 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 think I you've, certainly thought just, that, like, that was a you've just kind of written your own film to like fit your own your own ideas here like, like wait were watching it... kids like do a nativity I it was in a school <laughs> or a community center or something like I see, is that, I see is Jen that... being critical of it in the audience certainly it's like, not what
0: we all them. do with our with our realities to 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 an extent? You know what I mean? We create I mean, our got, own like, stories, like
1: like to to some extent, like that you've taken the objective parts of of a piece of art, like <laughs> no, actually, like the bits that that are not up for interpretation, the bits that are like set in stone, like uh, they're. I'm not sure they might have been in a church. I'm going to have to watch that, but again, but we were watching a kids nativity rather than a sermon and stuff. Right.
0: Well, there was a nativity, and then there was definitely talk. That was kind of um, I don't know if it was directly from the Bible, but definitely like Christian talk. I mean, you could argue that you know what I mean. Your church is whatever the sermon is. You know what I mean. So there you go. Is that is that a bit of a get out of jail free card? There you go. <laughs> anyway, you so, anyway, there's that theme of kind of having no place. You know what I mean? Um, wanting to be accepted, and I think like that's that's a bit of a theme um, throughout. The film, you know what I mean? I think there's there's quite a lot of, and it's probably it's probably quite subtle because it's not like a, a huge part of the narrative. But you know, you just get these little moments where they they go into a shop to get out in the cold and stuff, and then someone's saying kind of oh you need to be kind of uh, moving on now if you're not going to buy anything. Um, there's that obviously kind of have scene where uh, Jin is actually sort of beaten by a gang of youths. I mean, they're saying they want to clean up the streets. There's definitely a sense of them not being uh welcome uh, th- throughout the film and just thinking about that sort of that experience of stigma that we know particularly for anyone with kind of uh, mental health problems is often just as bad if not worse than the the mental health problems they might be experiencing themselves
1: i guess we we also see kind <clears> of <throat> um starch code. the well we think that she's the mother of the baby. That that's who they're trying to find, isn't it? The, so yeah. Find... So there's a there's
0: a picture they find, isn't there, of this yeah, they
1: couple find a that's key next. with it. Yeah. with the baby and the and the key takes the key is like a locker. Um the key is for a locker in the, the subway station or something. And they um and they open that and find a, a bag of stuff in it. And there's some some belongings for the baby, I think, but there's also pictures that show them. Give them some clue as to who the parents are, so <clears throat> they find out that it's this woman, Sachko, that they're looking for, and they find her just as she's about to jump off a bridge and kill herself. Um, yeah. And then they hand the baby over, but at the same time, um Jin is speaking to her husband, um, or her her husband, who she split up with, and he's informing them that actually Sachko had. um had stolen that baby from the hospital, and we find out later that it was because Satchko had had a stillborn baby, and yeah. in, her, in her trauma and her grief she had either mistakenly kind of thought that the this baby um, was hers or she'd yeah. just been so stricken with grief that she'd taken another baby to, to kind of fill that hole for her <clears throat> but um yeah, she, so she's feeling that she doesn't belong anymore. she's mm-hmm. lost belonging, meaningfulness, and she's going to kill herself. And then she's going to kill herself kind of right at the end of the movie as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- that made me think, I mean, something that we've spoken about before is like having empathy for what we might consider the bad guy. You know what I mean, I remember we spoke about that before when we showed the uh, Rambo, but I think in this, um, so there's this big sequence in the film, where uh, like it is almost like as simple as kind of goodies and baddies and there's this big kind of car chase which involves kind of a a bicycle and stuff and a taxi and this big truck Um, and she's being chased as if she is very much the baddie, you know I mean she's got the baby she's the bad guy you know I mean we have to kind of try and get her but then it is I guess using that effort that sometimes takes and I think it's some empathy certainly does take effort sometimes because it's very easy to sort of and um, split the world into that binary thinking isn't it you know what i mean we've got goodies and we've got baddies and again it's not to ex- certainly excuse uh such behavior you know what i mean in terms of stealing a baby from its parents and stuff like that that's kind of that's not behavior that we would say is okay but what we can say is that given her experiences and what she went through we can make sense of it, we can certainly connect with the emotional experience that she was going through uh, in terms of kind of losing her own child that might have led to this experience of kind of, I guess, trying to sort of fill that emotional void by kind of picking up someone else's baby in it. And it does turn in a kind of like a, you know, I mean, you do wonder if that for her, she's gone through intense grief. um, And it's just really quite, recent and raw for her, isn't it? You know what I mean? So it feels really kind of fresh for her. So is there a bit of that psychological defense mechanism of just denial, you know what I mean? And almost creates this fantasy, you know what I mean, that this baby that she has stolen is is in fact hers. So I think I mean we we've used the term before, you know what I mean, empathy for monsters because there's we we kind of I think in society we do like to turn people into monsters sometimes, you know what I mean? I think of goodies and baddies, but I think with this woman Satchel, you know what I mean, we can if we know her story, then we can understand what she she might be going through.
1: Yeah, I I think it, it's always an interesting one to to think about, isn't it? You know, we we don't allow ourselves to to feel that empathy until we know the story, but until we we make a moral judgment on whether the story is good enough to for for us to to give up some empathy for the person. So we yeah. you know we maybe we can't. Well, I'm I'm not saying you and I perhaps, but. You know, we in the, the kind of general we, we, maybe we can't feel, we can't allow ourselves to, to feel empathy for a bad guy until we hear that, oh wait a minute, they've had a, they had a tough time, or I can identify with that, or, I can understand that. I think that, that's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, what, what, what will it take for us to feel empathy for someone just because they're human, just because they're a person, and, and know, and th- in the knowledge that everybody has a story, and everybody has Everybody ha- has had some tough times in their life. Has had some, um, has some way of interpreting kind of the the things that have happened to them. Yeah,
0: and makes me wonder if because like because that's what happens in life, isn't it? You know, I mean, imagine kind of something as benign as sort of someone cuts you off in traffic and that, and then you're like, ah, oh, they're like, a very minor level. You know, I mean, he's a bad guy, I'm a good guy, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you get moments like that in life, but you never get to know the story. Of that person that cut you off in traffic you never get to yeah. know that i guess what what film is actually good for is you, you get the experience of seeing her as kind of oh she's pretending to be its mum. that's wrong that's bad you know what i mean and then gradually the story is kind of unveiled later but um we don't have the luxury of getting that story in in life you know what i mean we, we don't get the luxury of like sitting down with a person and okay let's let's hear the story that's uh, let's hear what's went on And I do wonder about that, you know, I mean, you're saying, how can we just empathize with that um, that sense of being a human? And and does that allow just, I mean, do we need, I guess, just that basic presumption that everyone is kind of doing their best? And sometimes their best is, it certainly doesn't fit with social norms, and it doesn't fit looking at everyone's values, and, and it doesn't fit the law and stuff like that. But it might be it might be the best that they can do at that point in time. I don't know. I'm just rambling now. I don't have the answer, but
1: yeah, I wonder if it, if it's if it's useful, you know, useful to bring in kind of unconditional positive regard there as well. You know, like we mm-hmm. we often talk about Rogers' con- core conditions, don't we, and about kind of how intertwined they they are. And you know, I guess we're talking a little bit about UPR there in in the sense that you know, like everyone's done some some stuff that they would. Prefer that people didn't know about, or or they yeah. prefer not to have done in their lives, um, but yeah, I heard something a few few weeks ago. And it said like everyone's worth more than the worst thing they've ever done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <clears throat> I think that's maybe maybe a useful concept here in in terms of kind of thinking about you know, we don't need to know someone's story and need to then make a judgment on is that, you know, is their backstory good enough for me to or is it um, enough of a sob story for me to to give some empathy to them? We can just use some of that unconditional positive regard, and think, well, that actually, you know, it's another human. I I know that it can be tough being a human sometimes, so mm-hmm. you know, may, maybe that maybe deserves some empathy there. But um, it made me think about Jin as well in the story, <clears throat> because to some extent. Like he, maybe he's a bit of a baddie as well. Like so, you know, from yeah. the start we see him, we see him drinking, um, drinking a lot, getting drunk, and being mean and stuff. And I, I guess you know, in terms of deviance, then that yeah, that's still seen as as deviant and in, in probably most cultures. Probably most cultures, there stigma that exists, a, um, neg- negative kind of ideas and and beliefs that exist around people who who are drunk or um who are alcohol dependent or Alcoholic, I think he gets called in the in the film. Yeah. Um, and then but then we, we find out a little bit more about him and, and we see Hannah kind of explode at him in the hospital as well when, when he's speaking to his, his daughter. We find out that he was, you know, he gambled the family's money and stuff. And, he, you know, he'd kind of, he'd, kinda, he'd to, to a large extent, I think, caused the, the breakup of the family.
0: Yeah.
1: And then she, she shouts at him and says, well, you know, you told us that, you know, you're, your wife died and your daughter died and yeah. you know you know you give us all this sob story and and actually it's i think it's it's just doing that exact thing that we're talking about you know she she's unable to then she's taken back her empathy she said i felt sorry for you You're like oh, yeah that's, that's, that's sympathy point, but, you know, like i i felt for you as another human and um, you know i thought you were you were a decent person but but now we'll find out all this and uh screw you basically and then she abandons him and takes Miyuki with her and then you know, a moment where he's already really vulnerable he's he's speaking to his daughter he's really worried that his daughter wouldn't want to see him again but he's having this sort of moment where he's connecting with his daughter and then she's screaming and saying like he's a horrible guy <laughs> like you should you should just never talk to him again and then she abandons him but then he, he gains some redemption by by his actions kind of after that and I guess that that's a it's often seen as uh, as maybe an un- unhelpful trope in in films around mental health, isn't it that he only becomes a good guy by reason of of his actions after that yeah. like what, what he does in terms of kind of helping the helping the baby um helping the the kind of story get to to a more positive kind of place. but um, what if he didn't like what what if the story went somewhere different? you know when he speaks to his daughter, maybe his daughter does say, oh, well, screw you and then he just goes and, and drinks again and maybe, you know, he's just back in the in the gutter and in, in the sort of cardboard house drinking and the yeah. rest of the story plays out. Is he a bad guy then for the rest of the film? He probably is.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? It's making me think about, you know what I mean, it's maybe a concept we need to explore further or, or something, but thinking about the concept of the, the price of empathy, you know what I mean? And the, the price seems to be a story that we can relate to or approve of in in some kind of way you know what i mean and there's i mean i was also wondering that bit where hannah explodes at, at gin there's i wonder if there's almost a bit of a a bit of a, a kind of personal thing between them in terms of a, a breakdown of trust as well you know what i mean there's a just even beyond you know i mean probably disapproval about sort of gambling and leaving his family and drinking and stuff like that there's maybe just that human bit of like, you were really dishonest, you? and you, and you yeah. lied to me in that moment as well. But I think Jin's a really interesting character throughout the film, I think. And I don't know if you picked up on this as well, but like, you notice how um, there's two sort of uh, moments in the film where, for me, I was wondering if he was sort of being fit, faced with his potential future self and his potential kind of past self. So there's a bit yeah. where he finds um, this older man that is kind of uh, dying on the street, essentially. You know what I mean. And kind of his his last request is is to drink out of his bottle. You know what I mean. Spend that's a right.
1: little. That's his first last request.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's his first last request. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he keeps having another last request and another last request. And I thought that was a bit of kind of foreboding of you know what I mean. This might be uh, the life that you know what I mean. You're gonna you're gonna keep living, uh, and certainly there's there's a line that, gin. Uh, says when he, he finds, finds some booze in a, a graveyard at some point and takes a drink he's like ah oh, I'm alive again you know what I mean there's a sense of that
1: that's what's kind of keeping him going. With the old man I think like just before he meets the old man he calls himself a piece of human trash or something and then yeah the old, the old man says exactly the same line like, he yeah. like he, he's a piece of human I think it's, it's really kind of heavily ladling on like Wait, this guy's the same like
0: yeah 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 absolutely might turn out and, but I think you you, you see almost a, an echo of maybe Jin's past. So Satchko, the woman that um that steals the baby, she mm. was in a relationship with this guy. I can't remember the guy's name actually. No, I don't
1: remember either.
0: Um, but he um apparently kind of ran up a lot of sort of gambling debts and, and mm. was a, a drinker and stuff as well. And um I think that was a unhealthy relationship in a lot of ways, and Jin kind of Goes on to essentially kind of confront him. Yeah, you know I mean, and I think I, yeah. I do wonder if they have a bit of a moment where Jin is being faced with his kind of past regrets in a way. And it just popped into my head just now, but I, I, that's what I remember from watching the film last night.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. He, he's, he's kind of very angry at the guy, isn't he? But yeah, I think, yeah. I think a lot of that anger is really about himself. He, I think he punches the guy and stuff. But,
0: yeah. Um, I, I thought what held each character together, so um, so Jin, Hana, and uh, Miyuki, was the sense of kind of shame. So there's a bit of shame, there's a bit of kind of guilt, and they're all, they've all run from sort of relationships or social kind of situations, and they're all terrified of having, I, I guess of, or they're scared of risking trying to reconnect with their loved ones for fear of uh rejection and i think miyuki has she's actually kind of stabbed her dad you know what i mean and, and then just kind of ran away um hannah we learn um kind of i think she was doing uh, some kind of drag stage performance thing and exploded at a customer and uh, assaulted him and then ran away yeah. from that and then gins obviously kind of sort of run up gambling debts and stuff and, and ran away from that they're all kind of potentially thinking about these connections but they've all avoided them and I was wondering about that is you know because they're all carrying a bit of uncertainty because you don't know exactly how a social situation is going to go you don't know exactly what a person's going to say and stuff like that but I was wondering if they were thinking that this uncertainty of not knowing how it's going to go is better than being faced with a real rejection, even though it might they might not be rejected. And I think that's that doesn't seem to be what happens throughout the film, actually. You know, I mean, Jim reconnects with his daughter and seems to be accepted in a way. Um, mm-hmm. Hannah finds um the woman that she calls mother, and then there's a, a reconnection there. And certainly by the end of the film, Miyuki seems to have that that reconnection with her father. But throughout the film, they've been so worried about what might happen that they don't take the risk.
1: I think that's a really common human experience isn't it you know like the feeling anxious or, or worried about something and um, and then just avoiding that thing for fear of kind of what the what the result might be fear, fear of the worst possible outcome
0: yeah
1: um and it, it, oh, certainly often in uh, my cbt practice that's something that that we look at in terms of anxiety is kind of feeling the fear and doing it anyway so you know kind of taking in, in the film it's really obvious kind of these opportunities present themselves for almost by chance like the opportunities present themselves to people like hannah hannah's one well it, miyuki and, and jin's ones are, are completely by chance they just happen upon their yeah. um their dad and their um their daughter but hannah's one she kind of swallows it down and says like on oh, like let's go like this is the kind of is our last chance last option to is to go yeah. there and see see if they can help but um so she's kind of feeling the fear and doing it anyway and then she she gets a kind of a reasonable result out of that I mean that yeah that that is the risk they they, they could have all faced potentially they potentially all did face rejection there you know like when Jin says like I forget what is Kyoko or something is that what the baby's called as well his his daughter's called the same as the baby but something like that's cool. it? <clears throat> when he sees her, like he looks terrified. And when Yuki sees her dad, she looks kind of scared as well. I guess, yeah, and I guess that's about that shame, isn't it? it kind of ties back into that shame. Really ashamed of what they've done and, and how then the other person might be thinking about them.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's just that sort of power of feeling rejected. You know I mean? And you do wonder if it almost becomes a, a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy whereas they kind of they live out this rejection by I I think certainly in some ways you know I mean like it looks like Miyuki for example could go back and could try and reconnect and could be accepted but she's fearing that rejection so much that she's almost kind of playing that out by separating herself from the rest of society.
1: Yeah I mean they've all created kind of some some of the misery that they exist in for, for themselves by by not not exploring whether they can kind of repair those those um cracks in the relationships or the you know those breaks in the relationships.
0: Yeah. Did notice that bit of kind of stealth I guess self-stigma throughout the, the film as well. You know, and so we've talked about Jim and that sense of kind of being uh living trash. You know, what I mean mm-hmm. and I think he uses the terms like I'm I'm as worthless dead as I am alive. Mm-hmm. Um and then hannah as well you know i mean i I can't remember the exact kind of uh terms um they're certainly talking about what's hannah and also like got the nickname uncle bag which seems to be like a a term that hannah accepts but seems to be quite a sort of derogatory term and stuff and then um she'll kind of call herself kind of just another homo and stuff like that use all this kind of language that we wouldn't expect you know what i mean someone that was maybe had kind of reasonable self-esteem would, would be sort of talking about themselves in that way and you do wonder if again it's this experience of being ostracized not kind of accepted by society that maybe perpetuates this idea that they are that they are trash you know what i mean that they're just another this just another that and that they're not kind of um i, I guess it's that it's that stigmatize an idea of being less than human isn't
1: it yeah Yeah, kind of mental mental defense like if you know if i think about myself in this way or if i tell if i um tell people this or you know say it out loud then it means i can't really be hurt so much by it when other people say it but um but yeah it's it's not a a successful strategy i don't think because it you know it keeps keeps them kind of living in in this um Keeps them feeling less than other people, yeah. It's definitely another few
0: things that I'm wary of time because so I don't know how long we'll be yapping about this, but um, there's definitely something about the meaning and purpose in there again, you know. I mean, again, someone we'll talk about a lot, but I think through virtue of them finding the baby, it kind of it gives them a purpose, you know. What I mean, and they quickly sort of decide we're going to find the kid's mother, you know. What I mean, and they sort of go on this, this quest. Um, and the film sort of starts slowly, but ends up being quite, um, quite action packed and, and getting in all these sort of bizarre adventures and stuff. And thinking about the importance of that um, as something that I think is important for us all to just have something to do, something to wake up in the morning for. You know what I mean? Something to try and fulfil. And then there's, there's arguments. You know what I mean? Through uh, like Albert Camus' Myth of Sisyphus. You know what I mean? Says that that's what life is. You know what I mean? You, you roll the, the boulder up to the top of the hill, you let it roll down, then you go back down, you do it all again. And uh, certainly Camus says, one must imagine Sisyphus happy. The idea that that's, that's life, and, and that's kinda, it's as good as it gets, is constantly giving yourself stuff to do. Yeah. So I think that was in there.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a, a good point there. Um, at the start of the film, they don't seem to have much of a purpose. They, they're just kind of existing hand to mouth, aren't they? Um, yeah. And then... But yeah, then then the baby and and the idea of kind of reuniting the baby or helping the baby feel love—that's um, becomes kind of all consuming for for them all.
0: Yeah, think about the frame as well. You know what I mean? How we can all look at individual circumstances and um, so Hannah. So when they find the baby, and she's very much like this is a gift from God. You know what I mean? This is meant to happen. So she's almost this driving force throughout the film of. Um, and it, it is—it's quite a Christmassy film in a way. You know? I mean, isn't it? Lots of snow and stuff, and um, it's really sort of pushing you to think about kind of fate and things that are meant to happen and stuff like that. But um, Jin and the UK have got a very sort of contrasting view of it in terms of chance encounter, and I think it's—it's it's interesting, isn't it? That Hannah's like this—this uh, this baby's so lucky, so lucky—and then Jin's like was not lucky enough to sort of not be. Thrown in, as aside, you know what I mean, and, yeah. and put in the trash and stuff like that. But, but the individual meanings that we give to things will then have an impact on how we feel about life as well.
1: It's interesting. Like after the film, I um, and you had heard of, I think it's Satoshi Kon who, who um, who yeah, like directed the film, and um, and I, I went, I typed it into Google, and then I read that the film is based on, to some extent, based on a John Wayne Western. Hmm. Um, the something Godfathers or so, uh, something like that, about three three folk. Um, and and that that film, the John Wayne Western, was loosely based on the story of the three wise men, the, the Bible story. That's so I think a lot of kind of, a lot of what you were saying there is kind of fitting in, you know, the set at Christmas time, like that, that's probably no, no coincidence. You know, it's a, it's a baby kind of born to nothing um, mm-hmm. you know, the, um but you know all, all this talk about kind of gift from god and fate and you know all, all this sort of stuff like tie, ties right back into that
0: that's made me think even more now because it's definitely so um, hannah's character in particular so hannah biologically a man but identifying as a woman mm-hmm. and and certainly when she gets the baby and holds the baby she's very much like i, I finally get to be a mother. So yeah. I was thinking about that, even the, you know, I mean, the the Immaculate Conception kind of yeah. idea you could argue is in there as well. I mean, we could we could look very very deeply into this, but uh, it just makes you wonder about the intentions of filmmakers and stuff. I guess when you figure out a bit of the their thinking around that as well. Yeah. Um, one more thing I've got to think about, and then I want us to think about the happy ending because you had some thoughts around that, but um, what? There was a bit where Hannah was, um, I can't remember exactly what was wrong with her, but she was coughing up blood and stuff anyway and goes to a doctor. And um, the doctor recommends, uh, what is it, sort of rest and kind of good nutrition and stuff like that. And Jin says to him, you know what I mean, like we're, we're homeless and rest and good nutrition doesn't really fit with our lifestyle. The doctor says, look, I cure disease and you take care of the lifestyle. Yeah. And it just made me think about the, the limitations of any healthcare, you know what I mean, when so much problems are caused by kind of social determinants, that it's just like, a, it's just a band-aid, isn't it? You know what I mean? And certainly when we talk about kind of mental health nursing and stuff like that, and some of the limitations of what we can provide, it's because some of the interventions need to be political. You know what I mean? It needs to be systemic rather than just kind of uh, or we'll get more nurses, or whatever, or, or we'll give you this therapy. It's about kind of, um, it's about changing society.
1: Yeah, it's like essentially kind of patching Hannah back up, and just sending her back out into the conditions that created her ill health in the first place. So, you yeah. Know, she, how how long is she likely to be well? Like well in kind of heavy air quotes. Yeah. Good film
0: anyway, but um. Like- well, so you you messaged me last night and said, "Aye, it was good, but a bit of a sloppy ending." Tell me what you're about that.
1: No, I'm just I'm just never a big fan of like, oh, everything's come together, like every, you know, like they've all made their reconnections and they've all been kind of accepted again, and like, and and, and they've got winning lottery ticket from the old man's bag as well. Like, oh, that's amazing. Like, uh, and. And the woman who was gonna kill herself, she's potentially gonna get back with her husband. And the folk have got their baby back and and they want them to be the godfathers. And oh, isn't it all wonderful?
0: I I don't like I I mean I think you've I think you've got a, a good point there. I mean, I I have to admit, I do I do enjoy a happy ending here and there, but I wonder if that's because it protects me as well. You know, I mean, I wonder if that's why we like so many happy endings. In in life is because we want to be able to deny that this horrible shit is happening. You know what I mean? So there's a, I mean, if you if you look at the experiences of all these uh, these three main characters, you know what I mean that are are living on the streets. You know what I mean? Kind of living hand to mouth. Um, kind of like streets are certainly a dangerous place for them. Uh, huge impacts on health. Perhaps films that really round it off and say, ah, oh, but it all like. Everyone was happily ever after, and it all worked out in the end. Does that distract us from the horrors that exist in our society? You know, what I mean, it kind of. There's a there's a bit. I mean, maybe if the film just ends, maybe you know, what I mean, like because it could have went very differently. You know, what I mean, you look at Jin; he gets beaten half to death. You know, what I mean, maybe he doesn't get picked up and found. Hannah's coughing up blood. Maybe she dies, um, and Miyuki. You know, what I mean, maybe she becomes isolated and stuff, and. And, and uh, God knows what happens to her, but yeah, yeah you, you just you just wonder if sometimes the happy endings are so that we don't have to be faced with some of the horrors that exist in our
1: society i It, it makes me happy that now we've got on on record forever you saying that you you like lots of happy endings in life.
0: <laughs> do you like a happy ending? you know like I don't know if it's as I've got older, and i I wonder if it's having kids now as well because. I think it's not only me wanting happy endings so that I don't have to I'm think being, about the I'm potential of me going through stuff. It's it's about like not having my kids live in this horrible world that I want to, there's part of me that wants to pretend that everything's fine and I know it's not fine.
1: And it, and that's how, that's what, what makes you feel that way is if you, you have lots of happy endings. You love getting getting happy. All
0: right, okay. Know. All right, okay. That's what I, makes I, you. Like, like I totally, okay. I totally missed that one. I, totally I was
1: just being a total child. One. I can't believe it took you so long to pick up on that. <laughs> Fuck's
0: sake, Fuck's sake. I mean, that would be, it would be a very like, it'd be a very different sort of approach to cinema. We did it. If every film had to have a happy end
1: at the end of it, you know what I mean. Like,
0: Oh, Jesus, I think I
1: like the worst. The worst films to, that that could that could be the case in. I feel you know, like, like we
0: the Good ones
1: are like the Star, like Star Wars, um, <laughs> Episode Four. Like when they're getting their medals and stuff. <laughs> and there's, there's <laughs> stuff. Chewbacca's, Chewbacca's getting a happy ending for like r 2 d or something. <laughs> at oh. <the> very end. <laughs> you you you've
0: probably ruined this uh, fucking podcast for people that were listening. You <laughs> know, I mean, they were they were following oh, when my my deep insights into, you know what I mean, kind of how we deny the horrors of life, you know what I mean, and like to pretend it's all all right, and you've sort of fucking uh, reduced it to
1: sexual in the end. Well done, Scott. I think that's my, that is, it's my discomfort with a happy ending. Like, again, <laughs> like, it's, like I can't, I can't just leave it there. I can't just like leave it on a serious note I have to like throw in something else. But um, I I, th- I still think like, even though I, I was thinking it was like a soppy ending, I still i was still entertaining the possibility that it could still go horrible, You know, like if you made a Tokyo Godfathers two. You know, like they've got they've got this money they're going to get from the the lottery ticket and that. But what's Jin going to do with that money? He's still dependent on alcohol. Yeah. You know, but potentially he then he drinks himself to death with, with that money. You know, potentially he, he's not able to repair his relationship with his daughter beyond just that initial conversation or a you know a, a sort of superficial kind of engagement with her. Um maybe Miyuki and her dad are kind of aren't able to have a close relationship anymore because she stabbed him over thinking that he'd got rid of a cat, but turned out he hadn't even got rid of the cat. The cat had just disappeared and come back of its own accord. So how how's he it's going to be difficult for her to trust her going forward. Again, like Hannah had hannah went and, and saw kind of mother but then mother was like oh you know come back any anytime but is hannah going to go back or you know is you know is mm-hmm. she still going to kind of stay So you, you could still have a kind of very sad sequel to to this film that um but yeah i it, it's just i guess it, it, it kind of leaves it there a, a lot of a lot of anime um of of that kind of style like i'm thinking about like the more kind of this is definitely not a kids' film, but it it's quite Ghibli-like in in its style in in some ways. And um yeah, and I, they often have kind of quite happy kind of end, and not always, but like there's a, there's a lot of them that have kind of tying up the the ends and happy ending sort of stuff. It kind of feels a bit like that, but but it does. I think it does leave that that door open to like well, th- this could go another way as well.
0: Yeah, Just made me think. Like uh. Is it graveyard of the fireflies, which is mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that. Like it must be up there with Requiem for a Dream for the most soul-crushing film I've ever seen. Yep. It's <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but that's maybe something we will do uh, at some point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, you want to introduce uh, next film?
1: Yeah. So um, next time we will watch and then talk about the Grand Budapest Hotel, um, Wes Anderson film. So um. Beautiful film, just uh, like visually beautiful, as well as uh, anyone who's who's watched any Wes Anderson films. It's kind of irreverent, um, clever, um, yeah, you know, very very funny. But uh, one one that you haven't seen yet, so no, interesting mm-hmm. to hear what you make of it.
0: No, I I am I am looking forward to it. I mean, obviously, I kind of love uh, Napoleon Dynamite, but I've not seen a lot of other. Uh, Wes Anderson films and stuff like that. So um, like I know that the casts are always kind of incredible, you know what I mean? The uh,
1: yeah.
0: uh, actors that he gets. Uh, so no, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Um, I believe it's available on Netflix and potentially some other streaming services as well. But... Cool. All right,
0: see you next time, folks.
1: Aye. take it easy.
0: We won't actually see you because we never see anyone, but <laughs> we'll talk to you again. Bye.